You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't, nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley, and for two weeks in a row, we get you, Cassandra. Hello, everybody. It's so nice to have you. Well, I'm sure our listeners appreciate hearing someone else besides just me. So <laughs> so we appreciate having you. Today is episode 224, and it is what can the health department do about toxic mold? So if I was to just ask you that, like, what would your assumption be if you didn't know what I know as far as a specialist? Well, I, I would still say not much. It's the health department. yeah and for those of you that work at the health department we're not taking any shots at you it's just it's something that i wanted to talk about because that's what i hear all the time well can't i call the health department and they can condemn the property and it's i wish it was an easy yep you can do that but if you call them there's not a whole lot they're going to do well, and I, but I think it's also important that people understand what is the history of the health department. So I have a background in uh, social work and therapy and public health departments and social work were created in the early 1900s because there was child labor going on. There was um, unsafe work conditions. There were all these things that were going on that companies were doing way back then that the government said, we need to step in and serve to help regulate and make people aware and also hold organizations accountable for children having lung issues because they're working at eight years old. So the public health department is designed to make the community aware of public health issues, to record and document things that are happening on a public health level. But that's really the most they can do. They don't 
I mean, they have lawyers to to help them, but they can't do things for... Just imagine if the public health department could take on each individual person's case. There just wouldn't be enough resources. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, as far as a government entity, I couldn't imagine the funding that would have to be involved in the employees. And that's interesting to hear because I, you know, I didn't know any of that till, till you just told us that. So for our listeners, I hope, I hope you all learned something new because I just did. I, I, I've kind of always looked at the health department like, you know, stuff like COVID or flu shots or, you know, if you needed references and things like that, like, you know, during COVID, obviously public health was was in the spotlight. But for the most part, I've I've never really viewed the health department as an entity that has much to do with a mold concern inside your home. Correct. But you'd be surprised, like I said, how many times people just say, call the health department, they'll shut it down. And, you know, I'm not saying the health department can't do anything, but it's very similar to the EPA. When it comes to mold, they are very vague about, you know, if it's more than 10 square feet, you should hire a professional. I mean, they have publications, which they don't print anymore. You have to download them, but they just don't really get involved. And so, you know, I want our listeners to understand, like, there's not a government entity that you can just call and, you know, if let's say it's in your workplace or it's at your child's school or you're a renter, there's really nowhere to call that they're going to come in and just say, yep. Correct. Yeah. And and again, if you think about it, public health, their whole purpose is to create awareness and training and education around public health issues that matter to the communities they're in. Yep. Mold may not be their number one public health priority, depending on where you are. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure our listeners know mold is uh, the reason I wrote the mold epidemic is I do believe that it's something that a lot of people are not aware of, or there's a lot of misconceptions about mold. And so, you know, once again, it, it doesn't seem, and I've, I've actually reached out to health departments for a while there. I was sending them books, wasn't I? Yeah. To, yeah. to certain ones. And I would never even hear back from them. And so I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say they don't care, but it's just not that high of a priority. Correct. It's like in certain states, uh, we're being worried about the health of coal miners is a priority for the public health departments in those states because of the percentage of coals, coal mines. Yep. But in other states where there aren't coal mines, that's not a priority. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it's interesting you say that because Wyoming is, you know, coal country, whereas Utah, it's not. Like Kennecott Copper is kind of the only mine most people think about. There are coal mines um, in Utah. Uh, they're underground. But but that that's a good point because that's just not mm-hmm. what they deal with. So a question that comes up quite often is, is, so if it's a private place, what can they do? And once again, I'm not speaking for the health department, but this is my experiences, my clients' experiences. For the most part, if it's a private property, there's not a whole lot you can do. Now, when I say private property, I'm talking more, you know, like your workplace or uh, apartments or or rentals. Um, Now, when you get into more, I'm sure if Walmart had a major mold infestation in their meat department, the health department would step in. But if you had a major mold infestation in a rental you're renting, I don't think they're going to step in. Correct. And they're stepping in is typically a referral to another agency 
or working with another agency who might have more power to condemn a building. Yeah. Or so so their their stepping in still isn't actively being able to have the power to do something about that particular mold case. Exactly. Yep. And that that's a good point cuz you know for the most part, I was going to tell our listeners, for the most part, if you called the health department and you said, hey, I have a mold issue and I work for an accounting company and they're not going to do anything about it, they're going to tell you, well, you know, you need to go back to your employer and speak with them, put it in writing, uh, whether it's an email, a text. Obviously, we know documentation is very important when it comes to mold. Or they might say, okay, you know, here, here's the uh, contact information for CNC Contractor Services. He does, you know, mold testing. You'll have to contact him. But as far as the health department themselves, they're not going to call me up. They're not going to offer to pay for anything. They're going to just refer the person back to somebody else. Correct. Correct. And if what, you know, sometimes people think, well, I've got a really bad mold issue. My landlord's doing nothing about it. I'm going to call the public health department to make a complaint. And then the public health department can then take it on and take it to, you know, the powers that be, whatever. The thing you have to keep in mind, and this is in no way, shape or form legal advice, but the thing you have to keep in mind is that making phone calls is great. But if you're ever going to use what you're doing to substantiate any form of action later, you better be able to prove who you talk to, what day you talk to them, what mm-hmm. time you talk to them, what next steps they took, and what next steps you took as a result of that. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form legal advice. Right. I'm just saying, I know some people think they're going to call the public health department and the public health department will document everything, Right. which then if they decide they want to hire a lawyer over a mold issue, then the public... But that, that's not... The, the public health department does not have to document every no. phone call they receive. No. It is up to you if you think at some point you want to prove that you did your due diligence in terms of a mold concern at a school that your children attend or in a workplace that you keep the document trail of yes. everything you did and that you followed up on everything you did. Yep. that And that's a great point. And it, it kind of walks me into the next part of, of this subject and why I wanted to talk about it on a podcast is, and this is my opinion, obviously, I'm, and you know, I'm not a lawyer. I, I don't, know how a judge or jury, if this went to court, would view it. But to me, the onus is on you. If you really think that the air quality inside, let's say it's a rental, is that bad, or it's your child's school, it's on you to remove them or remove yourself from that situation. And I say that to my clients all the time, and they're like, well, I can't afford it, or I don't have anywhere to go, or whatever. Well, it's very difficult to convince people that you are serious about the exposure to it, but you're not serious enough to remove yourself. I I agree. And I would also say, I know that there are many people who will listen to this and they will say, um, I can't afford it. I'm a single parent. I have three kids. I'm barely paying this. I can't afford to move. And it's just not, you know, it's a very privileged place from which to say, well, you just have to find a way to do it. I get it. And that's where power in numbers becomes important, because even in that situation, if you can't yet move, what you do have the power to do is get with every other person who lives in that apartment building that's filled with mold and talk to as many of those people and get as many of those people who are also having mold problems together. And as a group, 
Now you have way more power. Now yes. you'd start to call newspapers. You get on television. There's a way to do this even if you can't immediately remove yourself out of the situation. Right. So I think it is important for people to understand, even if you can't do that yet, which you need to be working a plan to do that, there's a lot you can do in numbers. Right. Yep. And we, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, we did an episode, I believe, with renters and mold. And- you know, it it's something that I just want to remind all the listeners of. It's no different if you're the homeowner and it's your home. Even if it's a school, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't, I've had people approach me like, can you go to the school and do air testing? And I'm like, I can call them and see, and they're going to tell me no. And they always do. But my point is, is it's up to you as the occupant of that building to probably pay for all the mold testing. The health department's not going to say, yeah, we'll pay for it. You can't hire me and then say, well, the landlord's going to pay you. That's not how any of this works. So Correct. And, and I think uh, school is a great example. There might be lots of parents who say, I know my child is going to school in a moldy whatever, and it's affecting their ability to think, their ability to focus, all this kind of stuff. They have asthma. They have all these things. You need to chart out what is the chain of command you need to go through. It, it won't be enough to tell the principal. Sometimes you got to go above the principal, the superintendent. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to go to the board. like, And you have to be ready and willing to go however high up you need to go to make your voice heard. And so I think sometimes people think, well, let me call the public health department and they will do all of that mm -hmm. sort of you know, yelling and screaming. No, you're going to have to advocate for yourself. And that may mean pissing a lot of people off in the process. And you have to be good with doing that. Yep. Yeah. And it... It brings up a good point. I'm not telling you guys as listeners, guys and gals, to not call the public health department because that is probably one of the steps. Yep. Like, so if we were to line out a scenario, let's let's line out a scenario of a concern in school that affects a lot of people. There's tons of of articles, videos, stuff out there with public schools that have been shut down due to mold. But let's just say you're Children are in grade school and they're going to school and they're coming home and they're sick. They don't feel well. Obviously, not everybody has a father that's a mold specialist. Um, what what do you think the best route would take that they could take if it was in a school? So I think the, the order of operations would be contact the teacher with the concern, contact the principal with the concern. Make the PTA aware of the concern, meaning actually go to a PTA meeting and in public document the concern, make sure it's on the, the agenda. Then it would be go to the superintendent, go to a board of education meeting, and then you go to whoever owns uh, education in your state. Okay. And not only a letter, but a letter, an email, several phone calls, and then you go to the Department of Ed in D.C., like it would be in that order and it would have to happen numerous times so that by the time you bring the news in into it, you call a local reporter after that, you call the local newspaper, they start to do a story. You have a whole trail where you say for the last six months, here's all the people I've contacted. Here's the seven to 10 times I've contacted them. Here's the responses they've given me. Here's the lack of response they've given me. Now there's a news story for a reporter who wants to meet with you out front of the school building. Yeah. Then they'll really listen. At that point, there will be enough possible PR nightmare stuff that could happen that now they're listening. On top of that, I would get your doctor involved. I'd take the child to the doctor 
and start having all the testing that needs to be done to say, yep. hey, and then do mold testing in your own home to rule out your home because a principal would say, well, maybe it's they're not getting it from our school. Maybe they're getting it from. So there's this whole plan you've got to now activate where you're doing multiple things on multiple fronts for a number of months before I think probably you'll get the response you're looking for. Yep. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting because, uh, you would think, you know, a good mold guy from, from the way you just, you walked, walked our (laughs) listeners through that because everything you said is, you know, it's up to our listeners and they can do it. And besides your time, and I know time is money besides paying the inspector for your home, nowhere did you say you're going to have to pay somebody to go, you know, test in the school. And it's because you know that the school would never let us test, but, but that is uh, that is great advice to go and like you said it it sometimes happens it happened to me um it ended up being a news story without my permission i was not happy about it because <laughs> they showed my report um and i guess my point is is from the mold guy like i don't like that kind of publicity it's i would prefer not to have it and i'm sure you and everybody else are like, no, that would be great. But for me, I just, it, I didn't like it. But sometimes you have to do it that way. And if it's something like a public school, I I think it would be difficult for other parents, the news channel, whatever, you know, company to not support you. Correct. And that that's the difficult part. Like, you you said it, you're probably going to piss some people off. Well, that's just kind of life. Um, but at the end of the day, are you more concerned about your children's health than you are about making people mad? Well, and I think one question that, you know, you have to go to before you go through all those links, and you've said this many times, is what is it worth to you? Yep. Because sometimes the, the best answer in your particular scenario is to make the public health department aware that there's a mold issue at your children's school, report it. And then you pull the child out of the school and you homeschool them or you send them to because to you, it's like, I don't want all of that energy to have to go into a fight that I I mean, if there's a simpler way for me, some people don't like the conflict that comes with that kind of fight. Some people are not Aaron Brockovich, you know what I mean? And they don't want to do that whole thing. So they're not capable of homeschooling their children. Correct. So I think you have to really assess first, even before you go to the public health department, if this creates opens a Pandora's box. How far down the rabbit hole am I willing to go? You answer that question first, because then that determines what you do next, whether you make a big thing of a big thing or whether you just remove your child from the situation or you quit that job and remove yourself from the situation. Right. But like not everybody can do that. So at the end of the day, you've got to decide what it's worth first. And then that dictates which plan you go with. Exactly. Exactly. And, it, you know, the way you approach it could, you know we talk about all the time approaches everything. And if you approach it from a, you know, I'm going to sue you and I'm going to become a millionaire. Everybody's going to laugh at you. If you are serious and you've paid to have a specialist come into your own home, do a home ins- or mold inspection and do testing to rule out your home. Then on top of that, you go to a mold literate doctor and they do mycotoxin testing. You know, if, if they can look at your mycotoxin testing and see what the results are versus what an inspection and air test results were, you know, we can somewhat rule out. And, and for our listeners, it's not as easy as, oh, we know for sure it never came from the home. But for the most part, we can rule that out. And 
by our listeners doing their due diligence, they're showing everybody else that, hey, we're taking this seriously. This isn't about, you know, I'm going to sue and, and, and get rich. Exactly. So. And and I think, you know, it really comes back to ownership. Every step of the way, you have to say, what is the most empowered decision I can make about this mold situation? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, well, if I reach out to the public health department, they'll take care of it. Yeah. Nobody's responsible for your health and the well-being of your home and your family but you. And nobody's going to care as much as you. Nobody. Exactly. Not a doctor, not any, not a mold mitigation contractor. Nobody will care about you more than you do. Yes. And you have to be willing to go as far as you need to go to get the care you expect. Exactly. And it, you know, that's great advice. And actually you made my call to action easier because you literally just said what what the call to action I was going to say. And that is, it's up to you as the listener, you know, to protect your children, your spouses and yourself. And if you think the health department's going to do it, they don't care and nor would I expect them to care about your health more than than theirs. So, yeah. And then let me just add on to this because I think this is really segues into why your work is so important. At the same time that nobody's going to care as much as you care about yourself, it's really critical that you build a support team around your mold issue that you know has your back. That's why people do the VPAs with you. That's why people do mold consultations because you will get people – who intuitively you're like, you're so wrong, who tell you mold is not a thing and no, this is not a thing and it's all in your head. And they will gaslight you about the issue that deep down you know is a major issue for your family, which is why it's also important, even as you take on the issue yourself because it's you, you hire a mold consultant. You hire people to go, I don't think they're right. Can you look at this? And you're and you're hiring that person to have your back. Yep. Even as you have to battle other doctors and, you know, other people, everybody needs that. I always tell coaches, coaches need their own coaches. Right. So if you're dealing with a mold issue, it's not that you have to go it alone. You have to be your number one champion. But you also it helps a lot when you get somebody with expertise like Steve has to really sit with you and go, no, you're not crazy. Yeah. No, this is a real issue. No. And then look at the reports you get from people. Look at the tests you get from people and give you expertise and advice on what your next steps are because there are going to be moments in a journey like this where you get exhausted yeah. and you need somebody to have your corner go, no, 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 we're, we're asking more questions. We're doing more digging and you need to go back to those people and tell them what you need. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That was, you know, that, that was a great point. And, it, and, you know, I'm sure our listeners know, you know, this podcast is something that we've been doing, you know, we're on episode 224. So we're, I believe we started this in 2019, I, I believe. Remember. I don't remember. Yeah, you. I, I'm pretty sure it's it was like, a few years. <laughs> yeah, like April of, of 2019. And my whole purpose of this, um, you know, that's why I have a free course. That's why I wrote the books is to, to try to make people or educate people the, the awareness of what mold can do for you. So, so it's, it leads us into, um, you know, what we promote, but this week, my books is what, you know, I was going to talk to our listeners about. I have five. I should have a lot more. I know, but, uh, I do have five that are available. They're available on Amazon. I'm sure you can tell our listeners the quickest way they can do 
or yeah, buy a book. Yeah, if you go to Amazon.com and just look up uh, The Mold Epidemic, Steve Worsley, you should be able to then get to that book, hit his name, you'll see his profile in all of his books. And again, that was done so that at any price point, you can take advantage of Steve's expertise. Maybe you can't afford a consult right now, but you can buy a book on Amazon. Yep. You can read the Kindle. You can take a course on Udemy. Exactly. I do believe you have some of them that are free. I have one that's free. It's one toxic free. mold making me sick. Okay. So you can take advantage at every price point. And I would say, what is your health worth? Because people find money to pay for this. what I say to coaches about co getting a coach. Some coaches are super expensive. You get what you pay for. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so be sure that you invest in yourself in all the ways you can, but you also work to invest in yourself in all the ways you need. Exactly. Yeah. That's... You, We've we've heard a lot from you in this episode, that, and all your expertise and advice has been wonderful. Uh, that's why I try to get you on. You don't talk much about what you do, but I'm sure listeners know at this point that you do coaching, and this is why you're so successful at what you do because you you can word things a lot better than I can. So, but anyhow, we will wrap this up. This is episode 224. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com. <laughs>